Amen. I was, uh, this morning I was sitting there and I was getting ready to go and this is really cool. You know, guys, we ought to be hearing from heaven. And if you're not hearing from heaven, I'm talking about the Holy Ghost, not an unholy ghost. And you may laugh at that, but that's literally the truth. I have people in class all the time ask me, coach, do you believe in ghosts? I have people all the time that say, I say yeah, yeah, just not in the definition that you define them. It's not your dead granny that's visiting you. It's a demon from hell. Uh, the Bible's clear to be absent from the body is being home with the Lord or being hell with your father, which is the devil. It's very clear on that. There is no in-between ground. When Jesus, there was before the death of Christ on the cross, but when Jesus died on the cross, he led captivity captive. He took from the bosom of Abraham, which if, the, if you would, was paradise, which was really closer to hell than it was to heaven because no man could live in the presence of God till the, the perfect sacrifice was finished. To the blood of Jesus, the word that became flesh was shed, and then at that moment, uh, paradise was vacated. It's empty, nobody there. To die now is to be in the presence of God or to be in the presence of hell waiting for the white throne judgment. That's what the Bible says. It's amazing to people. It's, it's very clear in the Bible, okay? Paul said it over and over and over. You know, he wanted to leave. He said, it's not good for me to leave. He wasn't wanting to leave to go hang out somewhere. He was wanting to leave to go be with Jesus. But he said, it's better for you if I stay because I got a word for you. I got the God Almighty. But there are spirits, okay? There are spirits in this world and uh, it's believed that these spirits were part of the fallen angels that had slept with the daughters of men. I'm not going to try to explain all that to you as if I could. And when the flood came and these people died, that these disembodied spirits became demon spirits. Okay? The fallen angels, there's two groups of fallen angels, but one group for sure is bound in chains until the tribulation period, which I believe we're very close to. These are the most wicked beings there are have not been loosed on the face of the earth yet. Okay? So, anyway, just kind of giving you some of that. There are spirits. But nevertheless, this morning, I don't know why I got sidetracked on that, but somebody needed to hear that. My plan was to preach or to minister out of Ephesians 1. And I went to, I've got a prayer room at the house, and I go back there and I said, well, just take a minute to go there. Because I used to sometimes pray in my living room, whatever. I don't always go to that room. And so I went in there and knelt down and just prayed. And this popped in my mind. And the Lord reminded me, of uh, many years ago, which was actually, I wrote it down right here, and I found it on my iPad, so I'm being like, Coach Shaw would be proud of me today, because I'm using an iPad to speak the word. So, in February 2013, I'm sorry, February 13, 2018, I was at Fit and Wise, I was coaching at Lake Worth High School, and I got out of the shower, and I had a vision, and I saw three. And when I saw three, it immediately led, as you guys remember, when I came here, the scripture was on the board was Luke 6, uh, 47, 48, 49, that a house built upon a rock. I didn't have any idea at that time that this is where I was supposed to be. I had no idea I would ever, because this is really Wise County's home to me. It's where I grew up. I had no idea I'd ever come back here and coach again. I'd tried, you know, a few years back, whatever, and just it never did fit. So I had this, and I'm sitting there thinking, okay, God, if you ask me to stay at Lake Worth, Lord, you're going to have to do something, because I don't want to stay in that place. I ain't three years. Are you kidding? I saw the number three, which represented three, the foundation, the framework, and the root. And I knew that he was talking about that a house built upon a rock. Wasn't but a short period later, and I don't remember exactly what the time frame was that, you know, that Coach Cook uh, became the athletic director here, and um, Coach Ryle had sent me an email and said, hey, you know, would you be interested in 
you know, looking at paradise or whatever. I don't remember the wording of it or whatever. And I said, strange. You know, the times I tried, nothing worked. And then all of a sudden, Coach Ryle sends me an email. Whatever. Well, I meet Coach Cook, really like Coach Cook, and I guess he liked me or acted like he did. And, uh, you know, the rest is history. That was three years ago. That's how it all worked out. But it was a vision from God that he gave me. And so I want to remind you of that vision because this morning I was going to go into some depth, and I tried to right there, obviously, about spirits and things like that. There's a lot of depth in the Word of God. There's a difference between in third grade and being in college. Okay? As a Christian, we are to mature in our walk with God. When you get born again and saved, the foundation never leaves. Jesus Christ, Him crucified, risen from the dead. That is the power of God, 1 Corinthians 1.18. The cross is the power of God, not the wooden beam, but what took place there and who did it, which was Jesus, which if you've seen Jesus, the Bible says you've seen the Father. He is God. That's what it says. He manifests in three persons, which is not hard to understand. There's that number three again. The Holy Spirit just leads these. I don't have this planned out. Man is made of spirit, soul, and body, yet I'm looking at one. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit, yet there's no division. He is one. They don't have to have a staff meeting when there's something to figure out about your soul. They're already in complete union and agreement. They're connected because they are one. There's no difference there. Communion takes place at all times. Communication is what I was trying to say. And so, understanding that a little bit, in Luke 6, 47, it said, Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he is like. He said, Whoever hears my sayings. Now, we got a whole generation and a whole world that are hearing things. And as I was uh, trying to get to a while ago, that I wanted to go to a little bit of depth, but we're not ready to be in college yet. And I don't mean that disrespectful to anybody. You've got to de define your walk, your walk with God and where you're at. We're not ready for college yet. We're not ready to fight demon powers and all those things until our house is set upon the rock that has been cured. If you were to pour a slab, that has to be cured before you can build on it. Jesus Christ is the rock of our salvation, the Bible says. Even Moses, when God said that I will show you my hind parts as I walk by, he couldn't look at God or he would be destroyed. Yet the same book of the Bible says that he spoke to God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. So what is it saying? No one can see the Father and live. A pre-incarnate Christ showed up to Moses. That's what happened. That's who Jesus is. He is the form of God you can see that you don't have to die, but you can repent. He's the same God that showed up to Joshua before they went to Jericho. And he had his sword in his hand. Mind you this. A sword in his hand. Same as Revelation, where a double-edged sword comes out of his mouth. And Joshua said, are you for us or against us? And he said, nay, but as captain of the armies of the Lord. He is Jesus Christ. And he said, take off your shoes, for where you stand is holy ground. Just like he did at the burning bush. And he took them off, and he fell down and said, my Lord, my God. No angel can receive worship. Any angel that would receive worship from man will be condemned, as Satan was, as Lucifer before he became Satan. No angel, no holy angel will allow you to worship. He'll tell you, even John the Revelator, he said, stand up. I'm only, like, I, I'm only a servant. No angel can do that. Only Christ himself. So when you see the angel of the Lord in the Bible, you realize that when it's before the natural birth, that was a pre-incarnate Christ. That's all it is. When Jacob wrestled in Genesis 32, he wrestled with Jesus. And Jesus let him win. You see, Jesus will let you win too. 
What he's saying, what I want you to do is grab a hold of me and I'll pull hard against you to get your focus off the things of the world. But I really want you. But I'm going to make you come after me. See, because in the process of coming after me, we are after him, we die to ourselves. But are we really hearing God? Do we really understand this? Is our foundation built? I don't know what that three meant other than some of the obvious things I've just mentioned to you. I wonder about it. I'm sitting there going, okay, this is my third year coming to a close. What does that mean, Lord? First of all, I thought it meant just teach on who Jesus is for three years. But honestly, I can't tell you what it means, but I think I'm going to find out. Because if God gave it, then he will give me the next chapter. I know he'll do that. So as I was getting ready to go in some depth this morning, he said, go back to the foundation again. But Lord, they've heard it. He said, no, they hadn't heard it. And I'm not even talking to you necessarily. I'm talking to whosoever will listen. They hadn't heard it yet. We, we haven't heard it yet. Until we are saturated in Christ and until our house cannot be moved by any wind of doctrine that blows, we haven't heard it yet. To hear is not to hear with these ears, but to hear here. Jesus said, give them ears to hear and eyes to see. Whoever comes to me, and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you to whom he is like. And in verse 48, he says, he is like a man that built his house. He digged deep. He was a man of prayer, like Elisha was, was plowing when Elijah came along and threw his mantle of identity on him. Christ will not throw his identity on anyone who refuses to prayer or pray. I didn't take that English class. So who refuses to pray? Y'all hear me? If you don't have a prayer life, I'm not scolding. I am. When Coach Shelby talks, he's talking to himself. This is how I talk to myself. You'd be amazed if you put a camera and you saw me in the morning all by myself. You'd go like, who is he talking to? Bingo. Of sinners, Paul said, I have been chief. And I will tell you in front of you, I've sinned more than anybody in this room. I believe that. Coach Cook might argue with me, whatever, but he's too young. He might have a case. I don't know. I don't know. But I think we would admit that we fouled up more than anybody in our thinking processes, in our prior, prioritization of the Word of God, what's first place in our trust in Jesus Christ. And we do it all the time. So this is not a condemning message. This is a loving message. We love each other enough to speak truth into our lives and say, guys, get it right. Get it right. He is like a man who built a house. He dig deep. He has a prayer life because he's seeking the things of God. He's digging for Christ. You remember how I said a while ago how Jacob wrestled with the Lord? Now, think about he's saying to dig deep. Why? And laid his foundation on a rock. He had to dig. That kind of symbolic of wrestling a little bit, of praying. Think about it a little bit. What happens in the process of that? You've got to be singly focused on the Lord and you begin to die to your own desires. The Bible says in Galatians 2, 20 and 21, I won't go through all of it, but it says that I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, not I, but Christ lives in me. God cannot use your desires. Your desire, you know where that word comes from? Lust. He cannot use your lust. It's cursed. Lewdness, unbridled lust. We all struggle with desires and lust and things of this life. And it doesn't always have to be sexual, guys, because that's where our mind goes. But it's anything in this world that fights for that position of authority in your life that Jesus Christ was meant to rule from, the, on your throne. Is he on your heart? Is he on the throne of your heart? And if he is, then you don't have your heart. Because, see, you don't have a good heart. Jeremiah 17 says that, that the heart is exceedingly wicked. Who can know it? 
The whole purpose of Christ is that he comes in as a carpenter. He built stuff. And when he comes in and he checks into your heart, he rips it out of your chest, stomps it in the ground into fine powder and dust, and he throws the ashes to the wind, and then he transplants his father's heart into you. What does that mean? God's desire becomes your desire. Now, we just changed what lust is. You see, lust is worldly. Lust is things. Lust is what does Coach Shelby want? What do you want? This lust, my best life now. Lust, but my desire is the heart of God. So many people say this, and it's so perverted. And, and I'm getting to a point to where, man, if I hear a man in a pulpit, I'm probably going to get cast out of the, if I go visiting where, because I'm going to rebuke him public. I'm telling you right now, not because I'm any good, no, but because my God is good and I will not allow him to be misrepresented. The desire of your heart is not how much money you make, what job you have, where you play football, where you play baseball, who your girlfriend is, your boyfriend is. That is not the desire of your heart. The desire is God's desire. God's desire is that we come to intimacy with his son, that I'm not willing that any should perish. That's the words of God. But that all should come to what? Repentance. Even Matthew 4, 17, Jesus said, repent, the kingdom of heaven's in hand. In hand. But they may know my son, Jesus Christ, who I am, the word that became flesh, John 1, 14. 1 and verse 14. That's what it is. Intimacy with the Lord. How can I fight demons if I'm not intimate with the Lord? How can I be so arrogant and prideful to think that I can cast the devil out of anything or even recognize a devil who poses as an angel of light if I'm not intimate with Jesus Christ? How can I, how can I do these things? And let me tell you what intimacy means. It means you want him with you all the time everywhere you go. As I had the vision and the dream many years ago of the lamb that I told you all about. I locked him up. I came back the next day and I let him out so he could go to the restroom and all those things. I was trying to protect him from the wolf. You know, Satan comes as, as a wolf dressed in sheep's clothing. He's an imposter. He offers another way which appears to be the right way, but it's the wrong way. It's a way that leads to the broad way of destruction and damnation. But Jesus is the narrow way. Too many people are trying to add stuff to Jesus. Oh, I can do this. Or if I pray this many times, or if I wave my hand like this, or if I put this shawl around my neck, if I do this, if I do that, you know, all this. No, 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 no. Get on your face and cry out to a thrice holy God and say, Jesus Christ, forgive me. I beg you, cleanse me by the blood that you shed on the cross. Forgive me, oh God Almighty. You govern and rule my life. I give you myself. I'm dead to my desires and I want to be alive unto yours. And when his spirit downloads inside of you, the divine nature of God, as it says in the book of Peter, will become your nature, which declares war against the old you against the old lust, the old desires that are in you. That's what happens. And so it says that he dig deep. He prayed. He sought the Lord. He laid the foundation on a rock. You see, the rock wasn't just sat there and said, oh, build your house on the rock like many famous preachers do today. No, you got to dig for it. Jesus, the woman with the issue of blood, didn't come to her. She had to go dig for him. That was uncomfortable. She had been bleeding for a long time. You know what the, the local pastor today would say? Not all of them, of course. But you know what some would say? If they saw Jesus walking today in the flesh as he was then and operating the way he operated, first of all, he wouldn't be welcome to speak in the church. And they'd have sermons about him, about he, how evil he was and why he wasn't the son of God. I'm telling you. Because see, to exalt Jesus, he said, if I be lifted up, 
I will draw men unto myself, means that you've got to remove yourself. And man's not willing to do that because his desires are evil and wicked. The Bible says that. There's people that, that are harder to discern, that are in the pulpit, that are in churches, that self-diagnosed Christians, like somebody putting herself under anesthesia, could you imagine going to the hospital and having a surgery and you get to be the anesthesiologist on yourself? That's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. And it's called a seductive, seducing, demonic spirit. They're running rampant. They're running everywhere. And in America, they're a sophisticated spirit because they have a form of religiosity. Yeah, that's Coach Shelby's word. I got a dictionary. I'll get you one if you want one. If you just listen long enough, write some of those down. It's good stuff. Me and the hillbillies understand it. But it's under the name of religion. It flies under a banner. And it uses Jesus, but it's no different than the name Jesus, which is not your Savior. Spelt exactly the same. Spoken sometimes in the right context, but you can tell more about a false doctrine and a preaching what it leaves out as you can what it puts in. I hope you heard that. Because there's always truth in something that's wrong. Always. And there's a lot of truth. But it's the blanks that they leave. It's the power, okay? There used to be this stuff that turned into metal when I was a kid. It was called JB Weld. I think y'all still have it. Well, if, if you didn't put, if you didn't mix it correctly, it wouldn't harden and become metal. You see, they're, mixing, they're, they're missing the key ingredient. They're missing the moving and the operating of the Holy Spirit because their faith is not in the true deity of who Christ really is. Their faith is in their denomination. Their faith is in their pastor. Their faith is in all of these other things, but it is not in Jesus Christ. They didn't dig deep themselves. They went to somebody else and said, you dig and tell me what you found. Oh, that'll preach. You dig and tell me what you found. You must have a prayer life. This is the foundation that is built, that our house is built your life upon a rock. And when the flood arose, the streams beat vehemently upon the house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. Now, let me go on to the, to the next part of that, and let me just paraphrase that real quick. It goes on to say that here's the man who does not hear. See, that was the man who does hear. That he builds his house upon the rock. He digs deep. He has a prayer life. He's seeking God. He's single-minded in this thing. But the other man builds his house upon the sand because he doesn't have a prayer life. He doesn't have a time to seek God. God's not number one in every decision he makes. He doesn't even think to consult God when major decisions are in his life need to be made or even the simple decisions about what he's supposed to do today. He doesn't do that. So his house is built upon the sand. And what this, this tells you, as Jesus was speaking, that the storm came and beat vehemently on both houses, violently. You might say it was tornadic. It came. It came hard. Floods came. Tsunamis came. Hurricanes came. These are the troubles in our life. They're coming. If you haven't experienced one, it's coming. And at some point, you will see that either it's coming, you're in the middle of it, or you just passed through it, which meant there's another one on its way. All of us know that we just got through a winter storm and now the weather's nice. But you know it's not going to stay nice every day. You know that. How do you know that? Experience. The Bible is our experience. The Bible is our teacher. The Bible's our word. The storm is coming. In your house, your life is going to be shaken if you have no prayer life, if you have not dug deep, and if your theology, to sound sophisticated here or something, and your doctrine is not built upon Jesus and him alone, you're going to fall. 
Oh, why does God hate me? Why does God do this? Man, I'm just mad at God. because You're mad at him because you never knew him. Because you created a God that conformed to your lust. Remember I started talking about desires? We create a God that conforms to our lust, our desires, instead of his desires and who he really is. That's the deal. The Bible says to Timothy, which is the Holy Spirit, to the Apostle Paul, to his son in the faith, Timothy, study to show yourself approved. What does that mean? Simply means read the word and chew on it, meditate on it. And when you show that commitment towards God, he'll begin to speak to you as he did me this morning and said, remind him again of the foundations. Lord, we've been talking about it for three years. Remind him again. They hadn't heard it. Remind him again. Remind him again. If you want to think about it and you want to think that you're the advanced one, some of the things you learned in elementary you still use today. You see, we never remove ourselves from this foundation. You still use your ABCs, you still use your letters, you still write the same way, the same language. You still use those things. It expands into other areas, but the foundation of that never changes. The ability to, to add and subtract, you use it all the time. So the things that we learn stay on the foundation. We don't leave the foundation to grow in our depth. We never leave that. Because the power of the Spirit of God will not move if you move off the rock. And there'll be people here that'll tell you, there'll be preachers that'll tell you that you cannot move off the rock once you moved on. In other words, once saved, always saved. That's a lie. I don't want to argue about it because I don't want to go to hell and I have no desire to leave. So it's really not worth arguing about. The only thing we need to focus on is are we in agreement about Jesus Christ and what he's done for us and who he really is. You're not eternally secure. The danger in that doctrine, you even go to Judas and you say, well, that was before Jesus died on the cross. Those men knew, those 12 men, handpicked by God, and God does not pick demons to spread his ministry. He was deceived in the midst of it. Of course God knows all things. But he wasn't chosen, okay, because God was calling demons to go preach the gospel. Judas knew who he was. He knew, just like Peter knew who he was. The scripture says that. He says, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven, for thou art Peter. And upon this church, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. They knew who he was. He asked them before he ever went to the cross. So I want you to understand that. In Mark 3 and 24 through 27, it says, if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. If a house be divided against itself, it cannot stand. Remember what we were talking about in Luke 6? We were talking about build your house upon what? The rock. What does the house represent? Your life. Look here in Mark 3 and 24 through 27. If a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Now he goes into Satan because they were accusing him to cast out demons by the power of the devil. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand but hath an end. Satan's not divided, guys. The kingdom of darkness is more organized than the, than the modern day church of America. Way more organized. There's principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual host of wickedness in heavenly places. There's rank and order. There is a boss who is Satan. There are prince demons, principalities over certain areas. And then it falls down into demon powers that rule and operate. No different than if you went to a construction job and you saw a foreman drive up 
and he overlooking the work, making sure, and then you got a supervisor there, and then you got all the grunt workers. That's how the kingdom of darkness operates. The Bible's clear on that. And they learned it from God because God is highly organized in the way he does things. Because remember, Lucifer was made by God. He saw the creation of God. And when he fell, he knew that these are good things to you. I'm going to use it for evil, but God uses it for good. You have to understand all that. So if Satan rises up against himself, he is divided and cannot stand, but hath an end. So Satan's not divided here. And the reason why that many of us are powerless today is because we are not built on the rock and our house is divided. What does that mean? Born again spirit, connected with Christ, the deity of Christ on the foundation. My soul is my mind, will, and emotions. Completely in line, listening to the spirit of God, not to the spirit of the idiot of the world. Y'all need to hear me on that. I listen to motivational speeches and leadership class, and I use them, I do them sometimes, I have to admit, sometimes just to spot the knots and to tell them, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Sounds good, but it's wrong. Why? Because it puts the focus on man and his ability. God can't use a man who has an ability. He doesn't use that. He will not use it. For if righteousness comes by the law, and that law is not just the Ten Commandments, but anything that we create that is not written by God, that is, that, which is God, then that becomes in vain, the work of the cross. It disrespects, mocks, and makes the work of the cross in vain. For if righteousness comes by the law, then the work of the cross is in vain. That's verse 21 of Galatians chapter 2 that I just started with a while ago. So what, does, what do you have that God wants? One thing. And he already gave it to you. You see, he doesn't ask anything of you that he doesn't give you. Romans 12, 3, that I've given you the measure of faith. He wants one thing from you. Surrender death to yourself. Death to your own desires. And when that happens, you become alive. Why? Because now your spirit becomes connected to the spirit of God. And now your direction comes from the throne of God. And it begins to influx and infiltrate your mind, will, and emotions, your soul. And the manifestation is in this dirt suit. From dust thou art, to dust you will return. You must live from inside out. But back to where we started, a man who hears my word, he will dig deep. He'll find my son. And he will build his life, his house, upon the rock. And when the storms of life come, he won't fall. He will be standing. He didn't say if, he said what, when. Jesus promised that you're going to have tribulation and trials in this world. This is the evidence of a true born-again believer. What do those trials look like? Let's bring it down. I know we're running out of time, and I could go for two hours. I'm sure Mr. Mathis would give us a, let us do that. Probably would, but we're not going to abuse that authority right now. Y'all laughing. Y'all know something I don't know. <laughs> what does that look like? It looks like when your friends are doing things they ought not be doing, they're talking about what things they ought not be talking about, they're having sex with a boyfriend, girlfriend, they're going to parties and all that, that you stand on the truth of God's word and you speak in love and say, you know what, we ain't having it that way. I love you and I care about you. I will not conform to that. I will not be a part of that. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And I'm not going to subject the God that I serve, that I've built my house upon to the things that you're doing. But God offers you the same opportunity. Will you pray with me? Will you repent? Will you turn from that? Will you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ? Or are you going to keep doing what you're doing? And see, that's easy to discern. And we don't even do in that part. The hard part's to discern is when someone comes, a wolf dressed in sheep's clothing, and they start ministering a gospel about your best life now. 
And we can't see that because he throws a Jesus in there every once in a while. Jesus. 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 A God that he created that, that conforms to the lust of his flesh. But it's not the God of the Word of God. It's not the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible requires death and repentance. The God of the Bible requires that we dig deep, that we go down and we build our house. The God of the Bible requires that we give him our life eternally, forever, in every day of every moment, in everything we do. And I will not speak sinless perfection to you because it's not possible. But what I will tell you is that when you make this decision that I've spoke of for Jesus Christ, that you will have a conviction in your heart that will torment you when you do the things opposed to what is written. If you don't have a conviction and you're not sold out, well, even if you are sold out, I got more conviction now than before. Because the closer you get to the light, the more our, our deeds are exposed. That's what the Bible says. You see, we like to quote John 3:16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should put their faith and believe in him and trust in him, and I'm elaborating a little bit on that, shall not perish but have eternal life and all that. I'm doing, putting some commentary on it. But we don't read the part down there that says, whereas we go down a couple of verses, it says, but men love darkness lest the light expose their deeds. Men love darkness. They love fake religion. They love to fabricate a Jesus that will let them go out and fornicate. They love to fabricate a Jesus that will let them go out in public and have a couple of beers. They love to fabricate a Jesus and let them listen and laugh at dirty jokes. They love to fabricate a Jesus. And yet, if your preacher was sitting there, you wouldn't even do some of the things you're doing as if your preacher is more important than Jesus, who you say sits on the throne of our hearts. This is the Word of God. So, build your house upon the rock. And here's what Jesus said at the revelation of Peter, that he was the Son of God. And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Peter was a name, a name given to Simon by Jesus. Peter means Petra, piece of the rock. Does it not say that we're joint heirs of Romans 8 with Jesus Christ? Did God not hide Moses in the cleft of the rock that was symbolic of him sending his son? And the only way that you could stand in the presence of God was to be hidden in Christ. In Colossians 3, 3, for my life is hidden in Christ with God. That's what it says. For if my life is not hidden in Christ, then my life will be exposed before God. If my life is exposed before God, I will be condemned, period. God cannot lie. He cannot change his mind. And to believe in a God of mercy and grace, which is a person, not a flashcard that you stick out there, you have to believe in the totality of his word, which means he's also just. Just. Preachers need to say that. He's just. And he doesn't let things slide. The only ones that walk into his kingdom are those who are hidden in Christ. And we are not going to be hidden in Christ if we continue to do our own thing. Even if you deem those things to be good, that is the evidence of self-righteousness. You see, I don't drink. I don't go out and dip snuff. I don't hang out with those who do. I don't tell dirty jokes. I, but if I think that's going to make me right with God, Coach Shelby has become self-righteous, which is a greater sin than the other obvious ones. My faith and trust must be in Jesus Christ, him alone. That means today is your day of salvation. Today is your day when you leave this meeting that you begin to commune with the Lord and that you begin to speak to God and you begin to spend time with him. And you know what? It doesn't always have to be audible. Sometimes it's in here. Sometimes I lay there on my bed and I just pray and I have some good prayer meetings. But if you looked at me, you go like, 
Coach Shelby's asleep. No, he ain't. I'm praying. And sometimes I get up and I stomp and I get my Moses stick and start beating it on the ground and I start walking as the Holy Spirit leads. But if I've said one thing to you today, again, there is no other way but Jesus Christ, John 14, 6. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No preacher can save you. No teacher can save you. No man. Every man is in the same need of the same blood and Savior that I have need of, no matter what his title and position in this world is. There is one my high priest, Jesus Christ, and I have access to him according to Hebrews that I can come boldly to the throne of grace because of his blood. And when I come before the Father, Lord, I come before you under the blood of Jesus. So Father, in the name of Jesus, as we get ready to go to class, we love you, we thank you, we bless you for who, we, who you are, we praise your magnificent, righteous, holy name, we glorify you, and we send these young men and young ladies forth in the name of Jesus. Lord, God, convict them and give them a fire to serve you today. Give them a desire to serve you today. Give them, Lord God, what they need. For God, we can do nothing outside of you, Lord. We welcome the Holy Spirit and we ask Jesus to sit on the thrones of our heart. We confess our sin and we plead the blood of the Lamb. That is our only excuse, Lord God. That is our only words back to you, the blood of your Son. Now, God, take us and do as you will. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name. And somebody said, praise the Lord.